Hello everyone. As we approach the holiday of Pesach, a thought occurred last night, and I'd like to share it. We call Pesach the holiday of belief. In the community we have a song, Emunim, Believers. Now, I saw a beautiful thought presented in the newsletter by uh, Nathan Dweck. He gives it in the name of Rabbi David Sutton. He asks a question, you know, we have many names for the holiday of Pesach, but the Torah most often calls Pesach Chag Hamatzot, while we, B'nai Israel, call Pesach Pesach, Passover. And he suggests that we call it Passover because we are appreciative of Hashem who passed over and saved us in Makata Bechorot and then took us out of Egypt. And Hashem is calling it Chakamatzot because Hashem is looking at the beauty of B'nai Israel. We often see the Nevi'im quote Chesed Neurayich, the kindness of your youth. When we had faith and we left Egypt with the matzah on our backs, we had trust and faith in Hashem to go. So each of us is naming the holiday in appreciation of the other, in Hakarat HaTov. And a beautiful lesson from this is always to have hakarat tov and to look at another person as not as what I did for you, but what you did for me. Hashem looks up in Israel, chesed nuraich. We look at Hashem, He passed over. It's a beautiful thought to take with us. But it occurred to me that maybe the reason we call Pesach Pesach, and that's the name that sticks, is because the essence of the holiday really is in Pesach. Let me explain. There's no question that during the 210 years we were in Egypt, we were affected by the culture and belief of the Egyptians around us. We know that when we left Egypt and were crossing the sea, the angels turn to Hashem and say, these and these worshipped Avodah Zarah. Meaning, not only the Egyptians, but also B'nai Israel worshipped Avodah Zarah. And there's no question that in those 210 years, we were affected to a certain extent. Now, to give a little background, as we've explained before, when Hashem created the world, Hashem put into place physical laws of nature and spiritual laws of nature. Relating to the spiritual laws of nature, the system is that the light or the energy extends from above and then comes through filters, which we can call sfirot, but we can also call mazalot. We can call these mazalot, and these mazalot, these uh, we'll call astrological forces, filter the light to each person, and that in essence is that person's mazal. When we talk about mazal, we're not talking about luck. We're probably talking about fortune or destiny. And when we say to someone mazal tov, maybe we're wishing that their mazal can be changed for the better. Now, under the normal laws of nature, our mazal is our mazal. Based on the time we were born, the place we were born, where the stars were aligned at that moment, similar to what Avraham Avinu 
says when he looks at the stars and tells Hashem, I see, I cannot have children. Now we see that Hashem is telling Abraham, no, there's a way for you as B'nai Israel, you as my chosen people to rise above the Mazalot. We see also that Paro tells Moshe, where are you going? Rak only evil awaits you in the desert. Paro sees through the stars that everyone who's going to leave Egypt is going to die in the desert. And he's asking Moshe, what's the point? And we see in fact that, that Paro was able to read the stars in a way that he was able to see that Rakra, that they would all die in the desert, not realizing that their children would go into the land. We also see the astrologers predicted that uh, the savior of Bnei Israel, his end would come through water. And they, they, they therefore looked to take the babies and put them into the Nile, not realizing that the end, according to the Torah, with regard to Moshe, was the reason he didn't go into the land was because he hit the rock and the water came from the rock through hitting instead of speaking. So there is definitely a science in astrological forces. Now, although Rambam discounts it, almost all the other rabbis, especially Ramban, Rabbeinu Bakya, the Orachayim, bring the power of the astrological forces and astrology in our world. I personally saw the, that, that astrologers can predict, and the Rabbi Abitan explained to me and showed us all that astrologers can predict with, with, with sometimes very, very scary uh, accuracy, although we should never go to them. We should have faith, Tamim Tiyem Hashem, you should be connected to Hashem, because when you go to an astrologer, even the ones who know, and they predict, perhaps they limit you, and then they lock you into that, to that astrological future, as opposed to allowing you to overcome it. Again, that's why we say, in Mazal Israel. it doesn't mean that we have no luck, it means that we have the ability to rise above the astrological forces and potentially to change the astrological forces. Now, when it comes to these astrological forces, there's also a way to manipulate the astrological forces. And I believe that that's what Avodah Zarah is. It's manipulating the astrological forces in a way, going through, instead of going through the real process, it's taking a shortcut and going through what we're going to call the dark side. And the way this is done is through the angels, the angels, the Malachim, these forces that relate to the astrological influences of the world. Now, how do we explain it? We say that in the time of Hanoch, the people started to believe that even though Hashem was the original giver of, we're going to say, the light, the energy, the force of life, that that transferred through the Mazalot, and they believed the Mazalot had independent power. The example we give is we go into a restaurant, and we're friendly with one of the waiters. He is like one of the angels. Of course, he works for Kadosh Baruch Hu, but we see him as an independent force. So we slip him $100. He brings us drinks, tells us they're on the house. He brings us appetizers on the house. Maybe we pay for the entree. Brings us desserts on the house. Packs out food to go with some extra food to go. We give him another tip. And in essence, what have we done? We bypassed the system of ordering, paying the owner. And we've gone and we've tipped the waiter. And we've done something which is, in essence, not legal. We've gone through the dark side.
And this is what the Avodah Zarah is. The, the Avodah Zarah is going through the angel and looking at the angel as if the angel is an independent force. And I believe the angel always exacts a price. It's almost like the mafia, you know, go ask him for a favor. One day I'm going to come back and get a favor from you. There's always a price that the, the dark side is going to exact at some point from a person that goes through that back channel. And why does Hashem allow that back channel to exist? So that people have a choice. Hashem creates the world 50-50. If Hashem is real, then the Avodah Zarah is real. And when Hashem is hidden, the Avodah Zarah is much more hidden. But in that time, it seems that the Egyptians were the masters at manipulating. They were the masters of the dark side. They were the masters of going through the back channels, manipulating the forces through the Avodah Zarah. Now we look at the Avodah Zarah, the Avodah Zarah is based on the astrological forces and the head of the astrological forces is Aries. And this was the force, the force of Aries, the birth of the astrological forces in springtime. This was the force that the Egyptians connected to more than anything. Now keep in mind that if the Egyptians connected to Aries... And then Bnei Israel, influenced by the Egyptians, must have connected to Aries at the same time. So what happens? We go through. We go through the ninth plague, the ninth plague of darkness, and then Moshe is in the palace, and Parot tells Moshe, "That's it. Don't see me again. The next time you see me, I'm going to kill you." And at that point, Moshe has a revelation from Hashem within the palace. And the rabbis ask, how is it possible? How would Hashem come to Moshe within the Tum'ah of the palace? And the rabbis suggest that during the plague of darkness, the Tum'ah of Egypt was washed away. The gods of Egypt became powerless. Hashem modified the system to eliminate access through the dark side, and therefore cleaning up, so to say, the palace, Hashem was able to, Hashem was able, Hashem was able to, uh, to, to appear to Moshe, and at that time he told Paro about Makat Bechorot. It's interesting also that Makat Bechorot is all the firstborn of Egypt are going to die at midnight on the 15th of Nisan. And I'm not sure, did Paro after nine plagues believe or not believe? Because it seems that anyone would have heard Moshe saying that at that midnight on the 15th, all the firstborn are going to die, would have had a hard time sleeping that night. Yet Paro is able to go to sleep and maybe he still held strongly to his faith that at midnight, the highest power of Ares would 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 uh, would rise and would defend Egypt at that moment because that's who they connected to. Now let's go on because Bnei Israel are commanded to take the sheep. The sheep is the Paschal lamb, the Pesach, and were commanded on Shabbat Hagadol on the tenth of Nisan to take that sheep, tie it to our bed for days, and then on the fourteenth of Nisan we're going to slaughter that sheep. We're going to skin the sheep. We're going to stick it on our on a spit, we're going to roast the sheep, we're going to eat every piece of the sheep, and anything we don't eat, we're going to burn. Now remember that that sheep was the symbol of Aries. 
it's not like the sheep was the god that the Egyptians prayed to, but the, the sheep was the symbol of their god. And what we were doing by taking the sheep was so sacrilegious. The Egyptians would have been up in arms and it was miraculous that they didn't kill us. To give you an example, imagine you were in 16th century Europe, 15th century Spain, and you took a cross with the image of Yeshu on that cross, and you put it in the middle of the town square. And what did you do? You stomped on it. And after stomping on it, you took an axe and started chopping it up. And after doing that, you threw it into a fire to burn it. You wouldn't have made it to the point of throwing the cross to the floor before the local Catholics, led by the priests, would have come and killed you. Now, the Goyim know that the cross is not God, but it's a representative, it's symbolic of it. In the same way, the sheep was representative and symbolic of Ares, and thus it was very holy to the Egyptians. And which Egyptians was it very holy to? Ares, as the head of the astrological forces, the Bechor, so to say, the firstborn of the astrological forces, had priests, the priests of the, of, the, of the temples of Ares. And those priests of the temples of Ares were none other than the Behor, the firstborn of Egypt. And imagine you're going to take a sheep. That's the first thing that's going to be a problem. And what are you going to do with that sheep? You're going to tie it to your bed and you're going to tell us, and they're going to ask you, what are you doing on this, on Shabbat that you're taking a sheep? And you're telling them, Hashem commanded us to take the sheep and kill it. And go through the whole process. If you're a priest of... And then what's going to happen? At midnight, we're going to put the blood on the walls that day. And at midnight, what's going to happen? The Hashem's going to come and kill all of the firstborn. It would only have been natural for the priests to lead all the people to kill every single one of B'nai Israel. And it was only Hashem who prevented them from dying. But this act of taking the sheep and slaughtering the sheep and eating the sheep by B'nai Israel was akin to B'nai Israel, who may have been worshipping the Avodah Zarah finally saying, okay, we're done with the Avodah Zarah and we're going to connect to Hashem alone and od milavado. Now it's possible, as we know, for people to worship Hashem and also to worship Avodah Zarah. We see that probably the, the height of the worship of Avodah Zarah was in the uh, reign of Ahav and Izebel. Ahav and Jezebel. And, and who was their arch enemy? Their arch enemy was Eliyahu Anavi. And we see Eliyahu and Har Karmel proves that that Hashem is Hashem to the point where the people say, Hashem Hua Elohim. Yet he still has to run away and hide because uh, Izevel and Ahav are going to come and kill him. And what happens? He's hiding in a cave. And where does he get food when he's hiding in the cave? The Nevi'im tells that the, the food came from 
the table from the ra- from the ravens. The ravens brought food to Eliyahu, and where did they get the food from? The table of Ahab and Izebel. So you're going to tell me that Ahab and Izebel, who were the number one at Avodah Zarah, still had a completely glad kosher kitchen. And we could see that people would go and worship Hashem in the morning, and then they would go do their Avodah Zarah in the afternoon. And this is what the Nevi'im talk about again and again. You can't have both. But we like to have both. We like to have both. And the challenge always is, En od mi En od mi I don't know if the, the reason of having both is, you know, the, the insurance policy. But it definitely comes from a lack of faith. And I'm going to suggest something that I never saw before, but seems to make sense to me. You know, we talk about the four-fifths the four fifths that died during the plague of darkness. Four-fifths who died during the plague of darkness. And why did they die? Because they didn't want to leave Egypt. And we always learned that they didn't want to leave Egypt because they didn't want to leave their wealth behind, whatever wealth they had, their real estate, their property. And they were slaves or they were indentured civil servants, but they still had property. They had property in Goshen. They had their own farms. They had their own things. They had things in Egypt. And we were always told they didn't want to leave those things. But I want to suggest that perhaps the reason the four-fifths died and what they couldn't leave behind, they couldn't let go of their faith in the Avodah Zarah of Egypt. They couldn't let go of their faith in Aries. And we see later on, even when Ares fails and they come into the, the desert and Moshe is gone and the Satan shows them Moshe is dead, they go and make an Egel. And on the one hand, we could say the Egel is reminiscent to them of the angels that they saw when they were crossing the sea or Gavriel, whose image. But maybe the, 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 the uh, Egel, the, the golden calf that they made, was them saying, okay, Maybe Aries isn't going to be uh, the top one, but let's try Taurus. Let's the next one in the, in the stage. So this, this aspect of Abu Dazara connecting to astrological forces is something that's definitely there. So maybe we could suggest that the four-fifths simply wouldn't have been able to take that cross and chop it up and burn it and say, I'm going to not have any connection to the Avodah Zarah. Maybe they couldn't take the sheep which represented their, the, the, their faith in the, the Egyptian religion that they were connected to for so long. Maybe they wouldn't have been able to go through the next stage after darkness which required them to take the sheep and slaughter the sheep. Maybe they couldn't get that far and maybe that's why the four-fifths had to die because they couldn't let go of the Avodah Zarah. They couldn't let go of the insurance policy. They couldn't just say, there's no one other than Hashem. There's no power other than Hashem. Maybe that was the challenge and maybe that's why we call Pesach, Pesach. Because the true test of Pesach was being able to take that sheep and slaughtering it. And when we slaughtered that sheep, what were we slaughtering? We were slaughtering the insurance policy. We were slaughtering our connection to the dark side. We were slaughtering our connection to Avodah Zarah. We were were slaughtering our connection to the idolatry that was opposed to a belief in Hashem that He alone runs the world. 
what were we what were we unable to do? We were unable to let go of our relationship with that waiter. We still held on that that it was that waiter who was supplying us with our food and not Hashem himself. And again, Hashem has to have that in the world because the people who believe in Avodah Zarah have to see Avodah Zarah work because then there's a challenge. There always has to be a challenge. There always has to be a challenge. And I believe maybe this is why we call Pesach Pesach. And we've mentioned before that the last generation, the generation before Mashiach, is the same generation as those who experienced the exodus from Egypt. And perhaps the test is the same, but in a little different form. The test for those who left Egypt was, will you leave the Avodah Zarah of the astrological forces and believe in Od Milevato? In our times, we explain the Ta'ava of Avodah Zarah. We don't have it. When Hashem went behind the curtain in order to keep things 50-50, the Avodah Zarah, at least for B'nai Israel, had to go behind the curtain. There's no question there's Avodah Zarah exists in this world. There's no question there's people who could do things. But when it comes to B'nai Israel, we, we lost the Ta'avav Avodah Zarah. The rabbis prayed it should disappear. But what does it mean it should disappear? Because it had to be 50-50 when Hashem went to hide. When we lost our direct connection with Hashem with the loss of the Bet HaMikdash, when the daily miracles of the Bet HaMikdash disappeared, when we had no more Urim Vetumim, when we had no more Nevi'im, then what happened at the same time? The, the, the other side had to go into hiding. Otherwise, it wouldn't be 50-50. But what is, is there in our generation? We have a test of Bitachon. We have a test of faith, of emunah and bitachon, of faith and trust in Hashem. Because we too hold insurance policies. <coughs> we say that a person should not put his trust. A person shouldn't put his faith into the wealthy people or people. Because through them there's no Yeshua. But what do we do? We put our faith in other things and not in Hashem. And Rabbi Avitan would tell us that the test of our generation is a test of an od milevado. It's a test of bitachon. It's a test of believing that there's no other force other than Hashem. It's a test of bitachon. And in a way, this is the same test that they face leaving Egypt. Are we willing to put away our avodah zarah and say, no more duality, only Hashem, an od milevado. Are we going to be banim Hashem beni bechori? You're my firstborn. You're my children. Are we going to say, with children of our father, we're going to have complete and total trust and faith in Hashem? Or are we going to say, no, we could pray to Hashem in the morning, but we have to do the Avodah on the afternoon. We could come to Shul and pray to Hashem, but do we really trust in Hashem? Do we really trust? We go and we hear, we hear uh, the... the, the uh, Kohanim make the, the, the blessing Bikat Kohanim in the morning And Hashem is, gonna, is, is there blessing us directly But do we believe in that Beracha? Do we believe Hashem is the one blessing? Or do we think It's my own strength that's doing this Do we depend on the, the buyer from a certain place Or this or that or the other thing Do we put our faith there? Do we put our faith in money? Do we put our faith in the stock market? Do we put our faith in our property? Do we put our faith in all of these things? Or do we say, no, in whatever I have is a gift from Hashem. It's only from Hashem. It's direct from Hashem.
That's the test. And that's, I think, why we call Pesach the holiday of faith. Because we say that in Nisan we were redeemed. And why were we redeemed? I believe we were redeemed because it's called Pesach. We were redeemed because we were willing to say, okay, no more Avodah Zarah, no more duality, only Hashem. And the only way we're going to be redeemed, the rabbi would say again, the test is bitachon, the test is trust, the test is emunah, the test is faith. The only way we become redeemed is when we say, in on milavador, there's only Hashem. There's not Hashem. We'll go through this Pesach, we'll remind ourselves that this is called Pesach. Why? Because we stopped the Avodah Zarah, we stopped the duality, we accepted totally that Hashem is in charge of the world and only Hashem. And we became when we did that, Banim Hashem, children of Hashem, we became the firstborn in essence, not just in name. And that's the test. We have to live up to be the firstborn, not just in name. We have to live up to be the children, not just in name. We have to be the children in reality of Hashem. We have to represent Hashem. We have to go out and do the right thing. And then we will, all of us, Bezrat Hashem, this year, experience the Geulah and see Mashiach come. Ibn Abi Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful Pesach. Have a wonderful Chag Kasher Vesameach. Bezrat Hashem, we should see the Geulah together.